0: Pastor Scott had a wedding last evening, and uh, so I uh, uh, brought the message last night, and uh, they thought I needed to practice, so here I am again, and uh, uh, God's got something for us this morning. I'm excited to be here, and uh, it's going to be a good, good morning. You know, yesterday was uh, Market Days in Wimberley, and Market Days in Wimberley means a lot of things. It means traffic jams, it means a lot of folks coming in from out of town, lots of hustle and bustle. Uh, I try not to go through town unless I'm going through there to pick something up that Pat's bought at Market Days. Uh, But uh, uh, there is another phenomenon that goes along with that, and uh, with the Market Days, there's a lot of garage sales. And uh, they're just garage sales that pop up all over the place. And uh, I didn't see this one, but I heard about it. Uh, I understand the devil, our enemy, was a little short on cash, and he had been looking over the shoulder of some of the believers that had been going to Financial Peace University, and uh, he knew that they were taught to uh, have a garage sale and get rid of some of the things that they weren't using, especially and uh, and up a little extra money so satan decided hey i'm gonna have a garage sale and he put some of his tools in the garage sale and uh, i i heard that this is kind of the way it went there was a customer came in and he said well show me the things that you have for sale Uh, one of the things that he had for sale was hammers and uh, he he said these are great fun because I'll use them. Some of these very hammers that you see, I've used them on Christians. And I hit them a few times with that hammer, and then I give them the hammer, and they just keep beating themselves up with it. It's like they like it. It's amazing. It's so much fun. It's hilarious to watch. And so uh, I hope if you buy one of my hammers that you'll enjoy that. Now, something else that he had in his garage sale was shovels. And... Uh, he said, well, what do you use these shovels for? Well, I have used them for, I take garbage and poop and other things that smell bad and look bad and are disgusting. And I'll throw it around everywhere and I'll make it all stinky. And sometimes it sticks to the wall and sometimes it sticks to people. And it's just great, great fun. And um, if you buy one of my shovels, I hope that you enjoy it uh, as much as I have. And then he said, "Well, what's this box of stuff?" Well, that's a box full of temptations. And you may look at this picture and say, "Well, that's tools. I'm not tempted by that." But you can use your imagination. What tempts you? Is it sexual immorality? Is it drugs or alcohol? Is it gambling? What what is it that tempts you? I've been on a diet for 2 months. It, I I look up there and I see a bacon cheeseburger. (laughs) All right. That's what tempts me. And uh, then he said, once someone uh, succumbs to the temptation, I've got some pointies. I've got... Forks and other sharp objects, and I needle them with those. I I, I have tempted them with uh, temptations, and then I change over from being the tempter to the great accuser, and I needle them with those sharp points, and I make their lives miserable, and I keep bringing it up over and over and over how they are unfit to accept. The salvation that God provides for him through His Son Jesus Christ, and so it's uh, it's great fun. I hope if you get one of my pitchforks or one of my other pointy objects that you'll be just excited about that and have a good time with it. And so the customer said, "Oh, that's good, but what about what's in the sack?" And the old enemy he looked in his sack and he said, "You know, I don't know if I can." I don't know if I can give these up. I've got a set of wedges in the sack. And I, this is my favorite tool because I can take a wedge and I can drive it down between a husband and a wife or I can drive it down between a, a parent and a child or I can... I, one of my favorite things to do with it is drive it down between a pastor and his congregation or maybe different committees or different groups that are working within a congregation, and I can drive this wedge, I can't give up my wedges. And I got all different sizes, and it's just, I can't give this up. This is is too good. These are not for sale. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare. Our enemy, Satan, does not like what's going on here. We in First Baptist Church Wimberley are in some rare air. We've, we've added a third worship gathering on Saturday night because we needed the space, mostly the space in our parking lot, in our children's building, in our student building. Our ministries are just going off the charts Every February and March, LifeWay, which is the publishing and research arm of our uh, Southern Baptist Convention, they do a survey of churches. And they send out a survey, and they send out reminders, and they want to know what your attendance was for February and March. So I dutifully sent it in. I collected it. I sent it in. They wanted information about... How old is the church? 134 years old. How old is the pastor? Well, he's younger than he looks, okay? <laughs> oh, don't tell him I said that. They want to know how long the pastor's been there. Less than a year. All right. They already have last year's attendance. They told me what that was. So I compiled the attendance in our worship gatherings for February and March, and it was exactly 60% more than it was a year ago. So I sent it in. I've never heard from them in all the years of ministry until this year, and they sent me an, an email and reply and said, please check your figures. So I checked my figures and I wrote back to them and I said, the figures are correct. God is blessing mightily. If you would like to know some of the things that happened here to facilitate this, I'd be glad to share those with you. But all praise goes to God and we ought to praise him right now. And it's not just the... Attendance in the worship gathering our children's ministry is off the charts. Good. We've run out of room over in the children's building So the second hour they have to go out to the student building with the older kids And then our student ministry is just off the charts good. We've gone from having uh, 12 or 15 on Sunday morning students to having uh, 40 and 50 That's a wild deal on Wednesday nights, we've gone from having 18 or 20 to having sometimes 65 to pushing 70. And that's students, not counting the extra workers like Greg was there last Wednesday night. Then, then count him. You count, but not in that number, all right? And it's just exciting to see what God is doing. Over the last three weeks, we've baptized 10 people. We've got over 15 more awaiting baptism. God is pouring his blessings out on us, but the situation is that we are now on the enemy's radar. And what he wants to do is he wants to take one of his wedges that's not for sale, and he wants to drive it down in this congregation. He wants to divide us. He wants to cause us to be uh, ununited, He wants us to be in disarray. He wants to dislocate us from one another. And we have to be aware of what his plans are so that we can combat them. If we are unaware of his plans, he's going to sneak up on us. But there's going to be attack after attack. Some of the attacks are going to come into our families. Some of the attacks are going to be on our health. Some of our attacks are going to be uh, within the congregation, within the leadership, uh, maybe even in the staff. We have to be aware. And when we see that the enemy is trying to drive a wedge between us, We need to recognize it for what it is. It's spiritual warfare. And we can combat spiritual warfare if we identify the enemy. We do a lot of things to promote uh, our unity uh, as opposed to disunity and our functionality rather than dysfunctional. We are a family. We're a local family. We are a a family of the church universal. And you know, you've seen families, some families are functional and some families are just dysfunctional. Some churches are functional and some churches are dysfunctional. Not this church, but I used to be a member of a church long ago in a place that will remain nameless that I threatened to sell tickets to the business meetings. Because they were crazy bad. And every business meeting was a fuss fight. I'm so thankful that we don't have that situation. We're starting a new series this week, Hope for Us. It's an eight-week study through Ephesians, uh, chapters 4 through 6. Now... Here in just a little bit, we're going to get into Ephesians 4. We're starting with verse 1. The very first word there is therefore. And what that is, it's a transition word. Paul, as he wrote to the Ephesians, was, uh, he started off the first three chapters of Ephesians, are a, a theological statement. He's helping them with their theology. He's helping them to understand who God is, what he's done for them. And now in the last three chapters of Ephesians, he's going to talk to us about the practicality of applying those first three chapters. So in your Take the Weekend with You notes, there's a daily Bible reading for the next six days. And those Readings through the next six days will take you through the first three chapters of Ephesians. You need that for the background, for the series that's starting today. So read through that, and uh, you don't have to do it through uh, Monday through Saturday, but make sure you read them because it'll be a blessing. It'll help you to understand. All right, we're going to look at uh, uh, verses 1 through 7. And uh, if we could have those up there, I'm going to read through these verses. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gifts. God has given each of us a gift when we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior the Holy Spirit gives us a gift a spiritual gift we also have different uh, shapes we have different uh, uh, abilities we have uh, we're a very diverse group but even though we are diverse God is calling us and Paul is calling us and these passages to have unity so we're going to have unity through diversity now dan is a a wonderful musician and uh, he's got he's got the gift for that i don't have that gift when pat and i were uh, fairly newlyweds uh, i was bemoaning to her that i could not sing and she said oh Wyatt, anyone can sing you just need some coaching you just need some teaching i said well i want to sing i want to sing praises to my lord i I want to be joyful in my singing Uh, and so she said well i'll help you and 10 minutes later she said something i'll never forget (laughs) wyatt you were right you can't sing. I'm, my problem is that uh, I can hear other people sing. I can hear when Dan sings and other musicians. I can hear when Pat sings and I can appreciate it. I can even tell when there's a, a sour note, which there are a few. But uh, I'm, I have a problem. I cannot hear myself when I sing. And many people have told me that I am very blessed. As we look at these passages, scriptures, Paul describes himself as a prisoner for the Lord. Other translations might refer to him as a bondservant. But he is, he is captivated by Christ. He's captivated and he's motivated to live his entire life for him, And he's wanting to impart that commitment over to the congregations that he has started and, and is helping to, uh, to grow into the congregations that, he, that God would have them to grow. He says, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness and patience. Now, patience is tough, but if we're going to have unity, we need to have patience. Because if we don't have patience or gentleness, the enemy's going to pull out one of his wedges and he's going to try to drive it down. But, why? You don't understand. Someone got my parking spot, someone sat in my pew. They they were new. They didn't know any better. You just don't understand why it. Yes, I understand. I understand that Paul is addressing that indirectly, possibly. But you can get you can catch the drift. If someone's in your spot, just praise the Lord that someone's there. Uh, if someone does something that you don't especially like, you know, don't don't let it eat you up. Accepting one another in love. I am so thankful that our pastor repeatedly and often tells the congregation that he loves us. And we love him. And your staff loves you. And we receive that love from you as well and encouragement. And it's so great when we have that bond of love. But the next word is diligently. Diligently. That's like it's going to take effort. Diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. Unity of the Spirit. We've got to work on this. And we work on this uh, and because of our structure. Um, less than a year ago, we, we changed our church governance. So that we were not being uh, governed by committees, uh, but we're, we're being led by uh, a pastor and staff, and we still have teams. We've got the, uh, uh, the ALT and the deacon service team, and, and we have trustees and we have a fi- uh, stewardship team. We've got a lot of leadership, a lot of things to keep things in check so that we're going in the right direction. But we're not having a business meeting every time you turn around. We're not gonna vote on what color the paint's gonna be or what time the uh, parking lot lot lights go on or off. Uh, We're gonna leave that to uh, the administrators and and to the folks that can actually pick out colors. That's another one of my lacking gifts. I, uh, I I had to carry this jacket into Pat this morning and say, is this blue or black? Because I, and I had a black one right by it. I think I got the right one on. Uh, you know, you don't need someone that can't pick out their own socks picking out the color for the carpet, okay? So that's not, that's not something I need to do, but there are people that can do that. But we're not going to vote on it because when we vote on everything that, turns, uh, that comes up, it just drives a wedge, and it causes disunity. But we are going to vote on the big things. If we call a pastor, hopefully we won't have to do that anytime soon, then we're gonna vote on it. If we sell something big, we're gonna vote on it. If we buy something big and have to borrow money, we're gonna vote on it. But the smaller things, we're gonna leave those to the side so that Satan doesn't have an opportunity to drive a wedge. But, but Wyatt, you don't understand. They moved my choir loft. <laughs> and the folks in the other service. But, but the, the drums aren't right in the middle. And who thought about putting the horns up on, I mean, we can get so divided over things that don't matter. And when you hear, hey, There's something that's a conflict. There's something that's dividing us. Realize where that comes from. It's the enemy trying to divide us. We are in such rare air as a congregation, and the enemy is hating it, and he's going to attack. We have to be diligent, keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. We're keeping that unity by our church governance. We've changed that. We also need to keep this unity by having the knowledge of the direction of the church. You've heard me and others say many times, the reason we exist is to build lives that honor God. You've heard Pastor Scott say many times and you have heard him preach many times um, that we need to understand that a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will build a great church it's also part of our connect class Uh, if we could let's uh, have the uh, uh, slide with the logo out on the wall up I hope you've seen this. It's right outside this door on the other side of this screen and uh, and the cross. It helps us to understand where we're going because we we exist to build lives that honor God. That's the word right on top. Honor. It's not honor for me. It's not honor for the pastor. It's not honor for our deacons or, or for the folks that are in the pews. It's to honor God. That's what our That's why we exist, to build lives that honor God. And the four parts of the circle below honor are the things that we do to build lives. We connect. We're going to connect people to people and people to God. We can't do it unless we're connected to one another, and we really can't do this unless we're connected to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. The next one is grow. We, we have to know what the Scriptures say. We have to be discipled. We have to be taught uh, what it's like to be a, uh, a follower of Christ to uh, uh, allow God to change our lives uh, the way He wants to. Uh, serve. We all have different uh, gifts, we all have different passions, we all have different uh, uh, traits. I'm not going to serve by picking out the carpet, I'm not going to serve by uh, picking out the wall color or our singing. If I sang, we'd empty this room in a hurry. But there are places that I can serve, and there's so much joy for me in my service. I'm excited when I see someone come to know Christ as their Savior. I'm excited when that same person that has recently accepted Christ follows the Lord in baptism. And then they begin to be in the Word, and they are growing up, and they're figuring out hey, I've got a gift to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm shaped to do this. And then they get involved in children's ministry or they get involved with divorce care or they get involved with the widow's ministry. On and on and on. Or they get involved with missions. We've got one man in particular that's in our congregation. I had the privilege of baptizing him. I had the privilege of having him in my discipleship group. Now he's working with divorce care as part of their leadership. He's also giving up uh, the first hour on Sunday morning to work in the children's ministry. And I see his life just opening up like a beautiful flower because God is using him. What a joy that is in ministry to see those lives changed. And he has uh, he uh, caught on to my passion and my gift for personal evangelism. And he will seek out people who are, are lost and, and struggling and looking for their way, and he will introduce him, introduce that person to me. And then he'll be there, listening and hanging on the words that I say as I go through the scriptures and as I lead that person toward a, a personal relationship with with uh, the Father through His Son. It's a it's a great thing. It's, it brings great joy to me, and I know it brings great joy to you when you have found your uh, giftedness and you get to get to be involved in service, and then finally share. This is about missions. And this is about evangelism. And if we do these four things, if we will uh, help people to connect, to grow, to serve, and to share, that life will bring honor and glory to our Father. We've got direction. Great things are happening here. The enemy does not like it, and he's going to attack. We need to be aware of his plans, and we need to take action. Now, we've got next steps classes for each of these four areas. Connect is a requirement for church membership. It doesn't get you saved. The only thing that saves you is trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then, he wants you to be baptized That doesn't save you either. The faith saves you. The grace through faith is what saves you. The grace that he's extended through his son. But we have to believe, we have to to embrace, and then to take the class and to learn how we do church here. It's important that we have that unity. On the back of your bulletin, It has next steps. What I want to urge each of you to do is to figure out what your next step is. Is your next step to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Is your next step to be baptized? Is your next step to go through the membership class and invest your life in this congregation? Is your next step to figure out uh, how to get into a group and be discipled and learn about this great salvation that God has extended to us? Is your next step to go through uh, the the step-up class that talks about serving? Is your next step to answer a call to evangelism or mission work? What is your next step? Every one of our members needs to be a minister. Every one of our members needs to be involved in ministry. And if you're not involved, you're missing out on a huge blessing.